We're going to be in the book of Ecclesiastes. We're starting um, a series in the book of Ecclesiastes tonight. If you want to turn there, if you have a Bible. If you don't have a Bible, we have some on the back table. I actually just ordered some more. So if you want a sweet new Bible, wait till next week. Um, but Ecclesiastes, it comes right after the Psalms and Proverbs. Sort of right there in the middle of the Bible. Um, Ecclesiastes is a really interesting book. Uh, it's one of those books that's like in there with like Revelation or Ezekiel that when people read it on their own, they feel pretty clueless as to what's going on usually. And some people have been like, I don't, I'm not really sure if this is, shit even belongs in the Bible. Um, I'm trying to turn this down. It's making a funny noise, right? Is that correct? It's making a funny noise. Turn that down. How about now? Is that, can you still hear me now? Okay, cool. Hopefully that'll be better. Um, sorry about that. Stored. Got it. Okay. Um, so Ecclesiastes is an interesting book. The, my, here's my warning about Ecclesiastes before we get started, because I'll just let it speak for itself. Is Ecclesiastes uh, kind of deals in big, open-ended questions that don't have easy answers. They're very, I think a lot of people turn to the Bible going, it's going to give me answers for my life. And Ecclesiastes has very few answers in it. But it engages in really hard questions. The word Ecclesiastes is um, a tra- Greek translation of the Hebrew word here, which means the preacher. So when you see Ecclesiastes, think this, was, this is the preacher. This is something that the preacher is saying to me. And this preacher is kind of like the preacher that, uh, unlike me, um, you don't like that much. And um, <laughs> because he asks questions, he's kind of like the guy, like if you're on the apple cart and there's like a sketchy guy and he's mumbling to himself a lot and he's like getting in your face and asking you like really personal questions that you'd rather not a strange and you just kind of want him to go away because he's more bothering you and uh that's kind of how this preacher is and the reason i i chose for us to do ecclesiastes is i think sometimes we're on campus and we feel like campus is a place where we can ask like good hard questions and kind of live in the ambiguity, but when we come to like church or we come to campus ministry or whatever, that everything has to be this like sort of neat box. By the end of the story, we all have the answer. And um, but I know that you guys are dealing with a lot of hard questions. Um, I know that uh, you don't always have answers. Either you're asking questions, or people are asking you questions, or you want to ask questions but you don't feel like you can. Like. I am in love with my boyfriend or girlfriend, and I'm a Christian, and they're not. And what does that even mean? Because, like, doesn't God want me to be in love and want me to be happy? Um, or, like, I see what you're saying about the Bible and about, you know, sexuality, but, hey, like, I'm in love with this person that is the same gender as me, and, like, doesn't God just want me to be happy? Doesn't God, isn't God about love? Um, there's, there's not really easy answers to that question. Or just like, uh, I came to app and I thought the app was going to be this place where I found like a lot of like happiness and I was part of the family and this was where I came to be satisfied and my life was going to be complete, but you know, it's kind of a downer and it's been a hard semester and like, did I make the wrong decision? Um, uh, I mean, I'm just going through questions. Uh, my friend was, uh, saving herself for marriage and then someone took advantage of her and so now... What, what does she do? Didn't God want her to save herself? Um, or my friend had a miscarriage, and um, it was really sad, and then she got pregnant again, and we were all like, hey, God is, is going to bless her, and then she had another miscarriage, and 
Why would that even happen? Like, these are questions that there aren't, like, easy, good answers for. And the beautiful, wonderful thing about Ecclesiastes is that it meets us right there. And so let's dive in. That's my warning. Um, This preacher might get on our nerves a little bit. He might strike us as odd. And, um, but let's dive in. It's in your handout there if you want to read with me. Ecclesiastes chapter 1, starting in verse 1. Listen, this is the word of the living God. The words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities. All is vanity. What does man gain by all the toil which he toils under the sun? A generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun goes down and hastens to the place where it rises. The wind blows to the south and goes around to the north. Around and around goes the wind. And on its circuits, the wind returns. All streams run to the sea. The sea is not full. To the place where the streams flow, there they flow again. All things are full of weariness. A man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor is the ear filled with hearing. What has been is what will be, and what has been done is what will be done. And there is nothing new under the sun. Is there a thing of which it is said, see, this is new? It has been already in the ages before us. There is no remembrance of former things, nor will there be any remembrance of later, later things yet to be among those who come after. I, the preacher, have been king over Israel and Jerusalem, and I applied my heart to seek and to search out by wisdom all that is done under heaven. It is an unhappy business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. I have seen everything that is done under the sun, and behold, all is vanity and a striving after wind. What is crooked cannot be made straight, and what is lacking cannot be counted. Uh, let's ask God's blessing on his word. Uh, Father, uh, this, these are hard words, and uh, <laughs> Lord, I especially pray for those that came tonight um, feeling like I just want to pick me up, and uh, they come run smack into Ecclesiastes. And um, Father, uh, we are desperate for your help. I'm desperate for your help to understand what you're saying to us in Ecclesiastes, Lord, we're just help us when we come to your word. We need your spirit to be with us. So would you do that, Lord? Would you show us who you are and who we are? Because we need to know. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So the, this first chapter here kind of introduces us to the whole book. And this preacher, he's seeking out something. Obviously, you can tell from me. He's searching for something, And there's a handout in your bulletin if you want to follow it. Um, what I want to look at tonight is where the preacher is searching, what he is searching for, and what he finds. Okay? So where the preacher is searching, what he's searching for, and what he finds. Um, if, you, if you look through the passage, you'll see the thing about Ecclesiastes is the same thing kind of gets repeated over and over again. Like if we preach through this whole book verse by verse, it would be like the same thing kind of every week. But if you look, look in verse 3... What does man gain by all the toil at which he toils under the sun? If you look through verse 9, 13, 14, this word is under the sun. He's looking under the sun. Okay, This is, this is one of the sort of key points to understand this book. 
He's searching under the sun. And by under the sun, he means he's looking at things from a purely natural worldview. He's looking at things in the world. And he is a believer in the God of the Bible. But he's sort of saying, I'm going to step out of that. And I'm just going to look at the world as it is. Okay? And see if I can make some sense out of it. Like maybe if you know John Lennon's song, Imagine, right? Imagine there's no heaven. It's easy if you try. No hell beneath us. Above us only sky. Right? Um, there's not a lot of mentions of God, of the supernatural in this book. He's sort of just taking this under the sun. So imagine that. Everything that's under the sun is what he's searching. I, I tried to think of a good example for what an under the sun perspective would look like. And I kept coming back to this quote from True Detective. I don't know if you've watched True Detective. Again, this is not my, like, go watch True Detective. Um, because there, it is quite raw. Um, in some, some places. Um, so you didn't hear me say, saying watch True Detective. You didn't hear me saying I watch True Detective either. So. Um, but anyway, it's a great show. But the, the premise of the show... It, I mean... Anyway. Um, so the premise of the show is Matthew McConaughey and Woody Harrelson. They're homicide detectives in Louisiana in the 90s. How awesome does it sound already? And... Um, so they're riding along, and Woody Harrelson asks Matthew McConaughey, Matthew McConaughey if he's a Christian. And he says, no. He says, like, so what do you believe? Um, <laughs> this is under the sun, okay? I consider myself a realist, all right, but in philosophical terms, I'm what's called a pessimist. Okay? It means I'm not good at parties. I think human consciousness is a tragic misstep in evolution. We became too self-aware. Nature created an aspect of nature separate from itself. We are creatures that should not exist by natural law. We are things that labor under the illusion of having a self. That accretion of sensory experience and feelings programmed with total assurance that we are each somebody when in fact everybody's nobody. I think the honorable thing for our species to do is to deny our programming, stop reproducing, walk hand in hand into extinction, one last midnight, brothers and sisters, opting out of a raw deal. That is under the sun. That is, I've not considered a supernatural. Naturally speaking, we should not exist. Our life is terrible and painful. And the right thing for us to do would just be to stop, re- stop reproducing. Okay? That's under the sun. Uh, the preacher isn't quite that extreme. Um, but really what, I'm, what I want to do tonight is throw some things at you to sort of get you ready to hear um, Ecclesiastes. He's under the sun. It's purely natural. It's not supernatural. It's interesting. For someone that believes in God, there's very few references to God in this book. It's really interesting in that way. Um, there's no mention of like the things that God had done, how he had saved Israel in the Exodus. There's no talking about God forgiving sin. None of these things. God is merciful and kind. And he loves you. And you're messed up. Yeah, but come on in. None of that stuff is mentioned. He's purely looking after uh, under the sun, and if you came from a Christian background, which I know many of you did, um, this book will tend to make people in the sort of Christian mindset uncomfortable, okay? Especially if, like, when you're going through something hard and, like, you call your mom or somebody from your church and you say, man, this thing's really hard, and what you're hoping to hear them say is, it's okay, God will open up a door. Or, you know, God has a plan, um, if, you're, if you like getting sort of what I would consider trite, true but trite, sort of hallmark sentiments, Ecclesiastes does not offer those things. 
And it can be frustrating to you if you're, if you're wanting to just get a pick-me-up for your day from Ecclesiastes. But if you're here tonight and you're not a believer or you're sort of frustrated with those things, um, and by the way, wherever you fall, religious, irreligious, whatever, we're just thrilled that you're here, honestly. Like, we're just glad to have you as our guest. Um, if, if you're that person, you'll find Ecclesiastes to be a little bit comforting. Because he's, he's saying, I want to get down on your level and deal with the questions that you are dealing with. Simply put, this, this is how, where he's coming from. Instead of looking at how wonderful life with God can be, and it can be wonderful, the preacher is looking at the alternative. What is the world like if God isn't involved in the picture? Okay. Um, Carl Steinauer, Carl is around. There he is. Carl's Old Testament professor is a genius um, because Carl's Old Testament professor uh, quoted a Sufjan Stevens song or played it played it for the class right when he was talking about Ecclesiastes and uh, I don't have you guys know Sufjan Stevens you like like him okay um, if you don't you should um, but he has a song called Casimir Pulaski Day and um, this is like the most Ecclesiastes ish song there is. He's talking about a, uh, someone that he loved that had cancer at a young age. It starts off, uh, goldenrod and the 4-H stone, things I bought you when I found out you had cancer of the bone. And um, th- there's this one line, and he says, Tuesday night at the Bible study, we lift our hands and pray over your body, but nothing ever happens. And you feel that tension? Like, God says he wants to heal. He's behind that. But the, the reality is, most of the time that we lift our hands and pray over someone for them to be healed... The cancer still stays. And that world is where he's interacting. Um, So that is where he is searching. He's looking under the sun. But what is he searching for? Look again at verse 3. What does man gain by all the toil at which he toils under the sun? Basically what he's asking, that word gain, that's another key word to this book. He's saying, what is the lasting significance of anything that we do. Is there anything under the sun that I could do or involve myself in that will truly satisfy my soul, my heart, my mind, and my soul? Um, And so what he does is he's looking in all these different places. He'll look at work. He'll look at pleasure. Look at sex. He looks at money, wisdom, food, justice, all these things. And we're going to look at those things one by one, um, week after week. And he looks at each one of those things and he sort of holds it before him. And he goes all the way into it and dives all the way in and says, is this the thing that will make me whole and complete and satisfied for a lifetime? Um, And where he comes to is what he'll keep saying over and over again. Vanity of vanities. All is vanities. He uses this term. It's a striving after when. Where is that? In verse, look at verse 14. I have seen everything that is done under the sun, and behold, all is vanity and a striving after wind. He's saying if you're looking for satisfaction there, you're like someone running around on Samford with a mason jar, like trying to catch the wind, you know, and bottle it up and keep it later, and I'll open it up and it'll you know, blow a cool breeze in my face. Um, that's how silly it is. Look, look, walk with me through this, this poem, how it starts. Look at verse 4. A generation goes and a generation comes. People live and they die and it goes on and on. Look, how many of you can tell me the names of your great-grandparents? Uh, besides Glenn. Um, very few of us can, can say the names. But you know what? 
At one point, they were the most important people in your family. And now, who even knows what their names are, like what their favorite ice cream was, or anything like that. Um, the, the earth continues, and people live, and people die. And they get forgotten. Okay? Again, you're welcome for this ministry of encouragement tonight. Um, <laughs> verse 5, the sun rises and the sun sets over and over and every single day. The sun rises with frightening regularity. Every single day, as much as you'd like it to stop. Verse 6 and 7, if you look there. The wind blows around and around. It never gets to where it's going. It's always blowing all the time. The rivers, they're full. They go to the ocean. They fill up the ocean. And then it evaporates and it rains back down and they go into the ocean again. Over and over and over again. The world is tired. It's weary. It does the same thing. And it never gets to where it wants to be. Um, And he he really sums it up. There in verse 8, all things are full of weariness, a man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. Uh, The stones, you know, the rolling stones, I put it best. I can't get no satisfaction. But I try, and I try, and I try, and I try. And they stole that from Muddy Waters, by the way. Because he said, well, maybe I just can't be satisfied, and I just can't keep from crying. There's no satisfaction. And you guys feel this. I feel this too. This thing, this rectangle from hell, um, (laughs) if I don't look at this once every seven or eight minutes, I really might miss my life going by. Um, I know you're like me. There's like one person in here that doesn't have a smartphone. I won't call them out for it. You're constantly checking it to the point where you will hear it ding and you will feel it vibrate in your pocket when in fact it is not doing that because your brain wants it to happen because you're ready for it to happen. You must check FOMO is like the sort of the it's like they could rename this book FOMO, right? Um, You're afraid of, of missing out. Um, You're waiting for a message. You're waiting for an email. You're waiting for someone to, to like your status or to like your picture on Instagram, or look at your Snapchat story, and, you know, you're like hating people because they have their red receipts on. It's like, I know you read that, man. You know? And it was like 20 minutes ago. And why do you hate me, and you're not going to write me back? And like you're waiting for the the grade to come from your professor, or someone to write you back about the job, or that person you really want to like your Instagram. And like, okay, and it happens, okay? The email comes, the text comes, the call comes, whatever. How long does that, do those good vibes last? Do you even notice that you got the thing you wanted before you're worried about what the next thing is going to be? Well, then I forwarded to such and such, and she hasn't heard of that. Um, we're never satisfied. And you really should identify with this guy because you live on campus. Okay? You live and move and have your being on this campus. And, uh, and I'm you know, sucked into it too. It happens when you, when you graduate too. But especially it's sort of highlighted on this campus because you're constantly evaluating and moving. Okay, Darting back and forth um, between clubs, friend groups, ministries, churches, causes, girls, boys, majors. Looking by line up all the pieces. Okay? And get it just right. Then, 
I will achieve this level of satisfaction and completeness that I didn't have before. And since you can never do it, keep changing out the pieces, okay? Keep changing out the externals. You're searching for meaning, satisfaction, gain. That's what he's searching for is satisfaction. You know, the Biebs, um, you know, we have a dance on Friday, so I'm, you know, going through my playlist. Because my real dream job is DJing dances, and, uh, which is a true story. Uh, but you know, the Biebs, all he needs is a beauty and the beat, right? Um, who will make his life complete. E- um, uh, have beauties and beats made the Biebs' life complete? Um, no, and we laugh, right? Okay, that's silly. Of course not. Um, but he's singing real words. I mean, this is someone like producing music here. I mean, um, have beauties and beats satisfied the beeps? Um, have your friends satisfied you? Um, have, has your girlfriend, uh, has your boyfriend, have your hookups satisfied you? Like just getting what you need and then not dealing with the aftermath. Has being the fun girl at the party, the one that's just willing to go a little bit farther to be the it fun girl, has that... Did you feel great about that um, the next day? Has getting A's, some of you guys have accomplished this. You're like, I got one B. And it's like, if someone doesn't look at your GPA when you graduate, when you get a job, which they're not going to, um, they're going to say, did you complete degree? Excellent. Now let's talk. You know, like they're not going to look at you. But did achieving the GPA that you wanted seal the deal for you? Um, did your professor loving you and thinking that you were better than everyone else in the class make your life complete? Um, at the end of it all, the preacher finds what we probably already suspect. And that's that there's, no, there's nothing under the sun that can really satisfy us. Okay? The point of the book of Ecclesiastes. Okay? You ready? This is it. The point of Ecclesiastes is, is be warned. There is no lasting satisfaction without God. Okay? There is no lasting satisfaction with God. Um, Jim Carrey, this is one of those quotes that's like attributed to him like a million places on the internet, but you can never find like where he actually said it. So, Jim, if you're listening, um, I, love, I love the mask. Um, <laughs> Uh, he, he has this great quote. He says, I wish everyone could get rich and famous and have everything they ever dreamed of so that they can see that it is not the answer. He got the thing that we want. Millions of people, when they see him, love him. Okay? I mean, you're just trying to get one person to love you. Millions of people love him, and he's saying it's not the answer. The Ecclesiastes is coming, and it's really like messing up your world to tell you, look, open your eyes. Your life and this world are more broken and messed up than you realize they are, okay? Because the reality is, y'all, and neither have I, have have completely dived into these things and see what they can do for us. He's saying, look, pleasure, work, relationships, money won't satisfy you. But here's here's the rub. Once you get to that point where you start to realize the things that I chase are not going to satisfy me, and you start to own that in here, you're ready. You're ready to hear another voice that's not under the sun, that's above the sun. You're ready to hear the voice of Jesus. 
Listen to, listen to what Jesus says to a world. Everybody in here, everyone in this campus, everyone in this world is looking for satisfaction outside Jesus. And listen to what he says. In this world you will have trouble, but behold, I have overcome the world. See, look, I'm making all things new. In Christ, your labors are not in vain, are not in vain. To live is Christ and to die is gain. Come unto me and rest. Jesus speaks into a world that's groaning and moaning for satisfaction and saying, I will be that satisfaction for you. But he doesn't just speak. Jesus comes down to be with us. The preacher, look, he's walking through these things and he's sort of taking our hand and going, look, here's the garden of delights. And let me walk you through it and show you what they're really like. Jesus has come. Okay, my wife was, was marveling earlier, holding our six-week-old baby, and saying, Jesus put on flesh, like this baby. Um, he came to walk with us, to come where we are, and says, look, you're chasing wind. But here, let me take your hand, and I will walk through you. If you come here tonight, and you're like, I have hard questions, and I have doubts, and that's not okay for me to be part of this Christian thing. Can I tell you in love... You couldn't, be, you couldn't be more wrong. Jesus loves your questions and your doubts, and he wants to walk with you hand in hand and say, this won't satisfy, this won't satisfy, she won't satisfy, that job won't satisfy, that grade won't satisfy, that money won't satisfy. I will satisfy you. And that is an act of love, because my friends, the opposite of love is not hate. The opposite of love is indifference. If Jesus was to remain away then he would be indifferent to us. But he comes and he speaks honestly to you to tell you that your life is more broken than you think it is. But life with him is more satisfying than you could ever imagine. The end of um, that Sufjan Stevens song, it's a great song. He sort of gets at this reality. We live in a broken world that's really, really messed up. But life with God is satisfying and true. In the end he says, um, man, Um, In the morning, in the winter shade, on the 1st of March, on the holiday, I thought I saw you breathing. All the glory that the Lord has made, and the complications when I see his face, in the morning, in the window. All the glory when he took our place, but he took my shoulders and he shook my face. And he takes, and he takes, and he takes. Jesus loves you enough to speak to you through this book, to take your shoulders and shake you. And take away those things that you're desperately clinging to. And saying, find your satisfaction in me. So I hope you'll walk with me through Ecclesiastes. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Um, Jesus, thank you that you um, love us. You love us enough to be honest with us. You love us enough to walk with us through our confusing, confusing lives. It doesn't get any easier. Um, It doesn't get any less confusing um, unless we just close ourselves off to you and to the world and make our lives manageable. Um, Thank you for loving us and speaking words of truth to us. Help us as we look through this book and we examine this world to know in our hearts that only you can satisfy us. We pray in your name, Jesus. Amen.